This is College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast for Division I women's college soccer with Old Miss head coach Matt Mott, Rice head coach Brian Lee, and special guest Duke head coach Robbie Church. Give a listen, tell a friend. Now let's go to Coach Mott and Coach Lee. College Soccer Nation, what's good? It is January 10th. We are finally back. It took us this long to get everybody back together, but we're in a new year, 2023. College Soccer Nation is back. On. We're going to go back and recap some stuff, but I am Matt Mott. I am the head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. I am joined with Brian Lee, the head coach of the Rice Owls, and the mayor of Soccerville, Robbie Church from Duke University. We are here um, to, uh, to spend some time with you for the next few minutes. We are excited. I'm going to put this right out there at the beginning. We have Michelle Cooper, the Herman Trophy winner, is going to join us. Uh, to interview her here in a little bit. So very excited about her. Obviously, Duke Blue Devil, All-American, all-everything for Duke, and um, and now going to be certainly a high draft choice in, in the NWCL draft here in the next few days. So excited to have her. But before that, Brian, Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you guys as well. And uh, who knew the old Hoppa dead period? She snuck through by herself without, you know, any support. <laughs> Would would have us scattering so many places we couldn't even get together for a podcast during it. It was awesome. Way to I go, mean, it, you do make it sound like we are, you know, all together in a in a studio recruiting. <laughs> but we're we're all three. I'm still in Florida. God help me. Brian's in Houston. Robbie's in 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 North Carolina. Uh, and we still couldn't get the three of us together, even even uh, when we were away. But Robbie, happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hope everybody got had great holidays out there. And, you know, I was a very, very strong opponent of the dead period when Karen was pushing it. I was fighting her tooth and nail. I was so wrong. And I'm so happy. <laughs> and I'm so happy to be so wrong on, on that. It is the greatest thing in my 41 years of coaching soccer. <laughs> Is, is the dead period, uh, you know, not only for players, for coaches, for, you know, family, for everybody to have that time to get away and regroup. Um, so, yeah, coming off of it. But it was it was actually good to get back out on the road a little bit, too, though. Yeah, the, the, the club guys, I'm sure, appreciate it. So, yes, no, Coach Hoppe, who is an avid listener, we appreciate that dead period. I feel yeah. like every year we get more and more appreciative because we start to figure it out. Yeah. make family trips and, and everything else. So anyway, um, okay, so let's just go back again. We haven't talked since the Final Four. Let's put a kind of bow on that 2022 season. Um, it was a really exciting Final Four, I felt like. Um, and let's just get a little thoughts on it. The The first game was was the best game for sure with uh, with North Carolina and Florida State ended uh, 3-2 um, and really a, an exciting game. Um, where Carolina went up 3-0, I believe, right? And then Florida State fought their way back, scored right, scored right after um, uh, North Carolina had scored their third goal, scored almost off the kickoff to make it 3-1. So it wasn't a three-goal lead very long. And then a few minutes later, got the second one, and then it was really on. Uh, but a, a really good game, a really exciting game um, in Carolina in front of a very, very, very pro-North Carolina crowd um was able to to snatch it um and and i'll be honest with you based on the game like certainly good result for them good win but i mean i felt like florida state was better 
and just unfortunately gave up a couple set set piece goals and and couldn't find that third one. What do you think, Robbie? No, I, you know, I agree with with a lot of that. Um, you know, I thought Carolina there was long long stretches of the season they had problems scoring goals, but I thought they scored goals in that game when they had opportunities, they had chances, they had chances, they scored goals. They're very very dangerous on set plays and always have been. Um, you know, and again, Florida State with with those players and them as much as they are used to winning, you you know you knew they were coming back. You know, mm -hmm. you didn't. When he got to the third, it was like, okay, I don't know how far they're going to come back. But, but you already said it. Once they got the third, then they got the then Florida State got the first right behind, right behind that. And then all of a sudden, Carolina gets a little bit tight. The second one comes, and now it's really a, a thing. And so, I, I think the uh, I, I think give Carolina credit for scoring the goals, but uh, Florida State, I think, gets a lot of credit for coming back at that deficit and really turning a game that they could have easily tied. And the game could have easily gone into overtime, and then who knows yeah. what happened. What right. you know, what's really interesting in that comeback is don't forget Anson subbed in a couple of kids who haven't played much, you know, like fifth year senior type. No, that was, in, that was in the final, Brian. That was in the oh, final. Oh, sorry, that was in the final. Yeah, they're game That's, ahead. Yeah, their memory. It's been so yeah. long since we been well, it's been a long time. Since, yeah. Since the, the other piece I would say on it is uh how good uh nice Wonger was in that game and part of that comeback. I thought for sure yeah. they were going to get the equalizer. Yeah. Because yeah. what they have, 10, 15 minutes? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The third goal, yeah, there was about, yeah, maybe 17 minutes or something like that. And then they got the two pretty quick and then a, a little bit of time. But yeah, no, it looked like they were. And I'll tell you, um, Nesbitt was really good in that game, too, for Florida State. She really was, um, you know, a difference maker. So great, great game. And then uh, the second game was UCLA, Alabama. Um, UCLA wins and kind of, uh, um, dominating fashion, I guess. How else do you say it? Um, you know, it's four to, was it four one, right? Yeah, four one. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just think UCLA was comfortable in the game. Maybe Alabama was a little tight. Um, you know, very exciting, big stage for Alabama. And, um, you know, I thought UCLA just showed their class kind of in that game. They'd been kind of cruising through the tournament, but I thought in that game, they played really well. I will say Alabama played played well for big stretches of the, the game. I mean, they had a, they set up an unbelievable goal, um, unbelievable goal. And, um, but it was offsides, you know, I think Parker headed it in and, and, but maybe that goes in, it changes it a little bit, but all in all, you got to give credit to UCLA, certainly in that semifinal game. Yeah. Brian, you know, or go ahead, Robbie. Sorry. But, Sorry. Uh, I just, I just think that, you know, that's such a big stage. You get to the final four. UCLA's had players in there. They, that program's been there so many times. You know, Wes is, Wes is the first time he's been there, first time his team has been there. But I, I definitely agree with you, Matt, 100% that the, the score was lopsided on one side, but the, the game was not. The game was the game was much more even played. And I thought there was long stretches that Alabama did. And, you know, obviously the game beforehand, we got to see it firsthand. Uh, yeah. and they, uh, they did a lot of the same things. Uh, to UCLA, they did to us. They didn't convert once they turned us over and, and our half of the field. They were really good to go go to go to goal against us and go to go quickly against us and create opportunities and quality opportunities. Um, you know, I thought they did some of that against UCLA, but they just did they didn't convert on it. But uh, you know, I, I thought it was an entertaining game, and I think you know, but I, I do think UCLA also played watching them during the tournament. I thought they played their best game of the tournament.
at, you know, at that time until late in the second half against Carolina. I thought they yeah. were very good. Yeah. Brian? Oh, I don't have much to add on that. You know, it looks a little like the college football playoff we just watched, <laughs> except the SEC got the reverse treatment. Uh, but Alabama's in the final four there with, with college women's soccer royalty, right? UNC, yeah. FSU, UCLA. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, it was a pretty incredible run, but the, had they pulled that off and, and won a national championship, it would have been like TCU winning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, and then we're on to the final, and I think one of the best finals we've had in a number of years um, with the dramatics of the game. Um, Carolina goes up 2-0, and uh, I, can't, I can't remember the time. It wasn't much time left. 78th minute, maybe? And, uh, and UCLA gets one back, and then uh, – and then um, ties it with 13 seconds left on a corner that is just a mosh pit. And, uh, and UCLA's uh, Ryland Turner, who's a big-time player, heads it in and 2-2 uh, and goes to overtime, and, and they find the winner. Um, and UCLA finds the winner and, and wins a national championship for, you know, Marguerite's first, first ever national championship, first-year head coach. First, 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 everything. Um, I believe Brian and I called it on this podcast a few years, a few months ago when we had her on, how impressed we were with her, how we thought UCLA was going to do really well, and and she did. But um, certainly surprising for, for North Carolina to give up that two-goal lead uh, uh, late in that game. What do you think there, Brian? Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I lost the match. We, yeah. we, we we blacked out for a moment. Um, okay. You froze. Has there ever been a better final? Anybody remember one? That was it, nope. it was unbelievable. Robbie, yeah. you got one. You're you're nope. a little older than we are, Robbie. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the quality of the game was really good. I mean, yeah. Carolina scored two good goals, and then UCLA scored two good goals, and then the goal in the overtime was good. Yeah. Um, and it was it was awesome, awesome to see, and and. It, Credit to, again, credit to UCLA, changed their tactics a little bit in the second half and um, stepped out a little bit higher and made it harder for Carolina. And, you know, um, you know, it's certainly surprising to Carolina give up that kind of lead and in, in that kind of game. Robbie? Yeah. You know, I think let's go back to the point Brian made earlier. I, I see it was because it's interesting because I think we've all kind of been in this situation. So Carolina's up 2 nothing. You're about 10 minutes left in a match. You're looking at your bench over there. You're in the national championship game. You feel like you've kind of got a game one, huh? And all of a sudden you're starting to see these players that appear on the field that have been on the field in a long time. Um, you know, we we almost had that too in our South Carolina game. Uh, during the <laughs> You have complete control of the game, complete control. It kind of gives you a, you know, a, a feeling, of, and it should be an instant feeling, but and then all of a sudden you start putting players on. And then during that time, to your point, Matt, UCLA stepping up higher. They're playing more direct. They're going to goal. They're starting to get a little bit of, of rhythm in their play. They're starting to feel good about where they are, and they score the first goal. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you're scrambling to get some of those players off, get other players in on the field. You know, and we, we all talk about the two-goal lead is you know, the worst lead in soccer because if you give up one, the momentum comes back. So, and then, you know, I think Carolina – you know, like like us all at different times. But the first time I've seen Carolina experience that is once they gave up the second goal, you know, the confidence of the first goal, the confidence in UCLA was was incredible. 
and then they just could not get get it back in the front foot, even in the overtime. You know, they were playing yeah. they were playing off of their back foot. They were and, and UCLA was playing off their front foot the whole overtime. And you, you know, I was I felt anyway that UCLA was gonna win that in overtime too, that they were gonna find a way to find a way to get to get the goal. But um I I thought it was the best ever, no question. Yeah. And, and I don't have any any one that I can really rival that that game to. I just thought, but I think not only the the goals with it and how it ended with 16 seconds left, you know, the ball served and I think that ball would have gone in off the corner kick. Yeah. If she had it, I think that thing was going to I think it was going to net net off the corner kick. So, uh, you know, and then of course winning, you know, getting the winning goal and this year, you know, this year was interesting when it that, you know, we kept playing on, you know, again, any other year got the winning goal early and right, the right, championship right. would have been over this year. We played on, I think it, I thought it added a little bit more drama to it too, that we continue to play it on. So well, well done by both teams. Really well done. It was, it was a great game. And when the, when the girls scored the winner, there was another interesting subbing situation. She's mm. sobbing hysterically. Yeah. I would love to know if Marguerite was like, oh my God, we got to get her off. Yeah. She subbed out at, at, at the yeah. goal. Yeah. Right. She was uncontrollably sobbing out of excitement and the moment, but they still had to play right. the rest of the overtime. Yep. It's it yep. just a fascinating coaching theater on both of those with Anson um, having the feel good moment and, and trying to get some kids on who he might not have normally that kind of changed the game. And then the kid who gets the winner, that was awesome. Yeah. A couple side notes of the game that, you know, you know, I was there in my final duty as, as <laughs> part of the committee, but I got to sit in the suite and the UCLA AD was in the suite. And I, and I'll say this to you fellas, you would want your AD to be acting the way he did. I mean, very, very professional, but when they scored that winner, he went crazy. The, the sorry the goal to tie he's videotaping yeah. all kinds of stuff I mean he was as big a fan as you can be in a game I was really impressed with him and, and he was obviously you know unbelievably excited for for his his team and his school and his coach and you know after with the players I mean he's just great and you know I think um, all of us would want our and, and I, I think hopefully all of our ADs would would act that way but he was really uh really into the game like certainly hanging on every pass and um it was pretty cool cool to watch to know that that's you know the ad of ucla it's not like um you know it's it's not some rinky-dink school it's an ad from one of the big and he was as excited i'm sure if they were playing in the basketball national championship or in the football national championship he'd be acting the same way it was, it was pretty cool so good for them and and he, he very smartly locked up marguerite for a long-term contract rightfully so and and um and they hey they're not going anywhere they're loaded again next year so look out for them for sure they're uh they're pretty impressive all right but uh, last little bit on oh, the yeah, final four. one more yeah. one more quick thing on the final four does anybody ever remember a final four that was so coach oriented where so many of the coaches had done such an incredible job penske at fsu unbelievable getting them there yeah. west at alabama yeah. i mean Let's remember the Titan stuff, getting them to the Final Four. And Marguerite, that's one of the best first-year coach performances in the history of college soccer. Pretty yeah. cool. Awesome. Okay, uh, Brian, take this one. Talk a little bit about um, the World Cup Final. We didn't talk about either since we've been gone with uh, Messi and Mbappe and how it went and Messi walking off as the, as the uh, you know, 
the man and the World Cup championship in his arsenal and and give us some of the Mbappe's kind of coming onto the scene and the game he had. So take us through some of that. Your thoughts. Everybody, everybody saw it. So the yeah. same thing as the college final. Greatest game ever. You know, greatest Hard to argue. Cup final ever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, almost inarguably. And, you know, pro sports is theater and entertainment. And Mbappe and Messi, you know, are the lead characters. You couldn't have written it up. That, that was like uh, watching a reality TV show where, you know, they're kind of helping fix what's going to happen and it's super entertaining. <laughs> Somewhere up there, it's like the, uh, the guy in Hunger Games. The Hunger Games where the guy's above on the screen and he's <laughs> throwing the bees at him and making this happen and making that happen. It was unbelievable. It was fantastic. Great theater. <laughs> you happy for Messi? Oh, yeah. I'm happy for Mbappe, too. He needs like five goals to become the all-time World Cup leading scorer. He's like tw early 20s. Yeah. Um, no, super happy for Messi. I think almost all the neutrals were cheering Argentina, don't you think? You keep calling it Messi. Is it Messi or Messi? It's it's Messi, but it goes with Mbappe. Messi. <laughs> makes me sound like I'm in the house. Uh, it makes you <laughs> sound like an idiot. You pronounce his name wrong. Uh, Churchy, uh, what are your but, uh, hey, you, you can't offend uh, yeah. the Italians. That's uh, true. <laughs> Uh, Churchy, what do you think? I don't know if I can add, add much more. If we got the Hunger Games in here, we've got <laughs> yeah, the LCH. I don't know if I can bring much more to the table. Yeah. But, well, Abape, I will say, um, but you know, you know, it's two nothing. Argentina feels like they've got things in hand too, and all of a sudden, here comes, you know, here he yeah. comes. You know, yeah. great, play, great players do that. Great yeah. players go, boys, get on my back, let's go. Let's go. It's we're running out of time here. I didn't really didn't do a lot for what 65, 70 minutes. And then the last the last 25 minutes or so, you know, that's that's the amazing thing about great players is is that you know, the games are it, it, you're getting down to the end of the world, the world championship and the world cup. And he's like, We're down, just get on my back and let's go. And and uh, but some great plays to it. Well, and you gotta give credit to um you gotta give credit to Francis coach. Yeah. Um, with the changes he made and would be able to get them back into it was, I mean, taking, taking off some of the really big names that have done well, the whole tournament and rolling the dice. I mean, it was really a, a masterclass in how to get back in it. Uh, it was very, very impressive. For sure. Uh, okay. So on the other side of the world cup, we have the disaster that is known as the U S men's national team in Gio Reyna and all of the nonsense going on with his parents and Greg Berhalter and their wife. And those of our listeners that don't know, I'm going to set it up. Then I'm going to let Brian, I'm going to let you take it. But, um, you know, Gio didn't play very much for a number of different reasons. We've heard all kinds of reasons. We've heard why Gio thought, why Greg thought. Greg had an off the record conversation that became on the record. Um, then we come to find out that, uh, Gio's mom and Greg Burhalter's wife were high school or were college roommates. And Greg and his wife, now wife, but girlfriend at the time, got into a little altercation after a night at the bar. And they decided to bring that public. And now Greg's under a lot of heat um, for that issue. And um, in the end, Gio's parents are pissed because Gio didn't play. Very similar to 
what every coach deals with not, at times, hopefully not very often, but at times you deal with parents that are disgruntled and um, they look for your job. They look for whatever um, because their kid's not playing. And it, we are looking at this in an American soccer at the highest level in men's national team. Brian, what, well, what do it, you think? Uh, it, it, uh, what I think is this is, I mean, it's pure comedy, right? Yeah. That, you know, we all, every coach, if anyone who says they haven't had a disgruntled kid because they don't play and got themselves in a situation like this is either a first year coach. Yeah, haven't or, coached on or, enough. Yeah. Or a liar. So yeah. that is just American youth soccer 101. When they, they get to us, they're going from the consumer to the worker. You know, when they get yeah. the, the club, they're paying. So they get a completely different response. When they get to college, really, they're working for us. But for it to happen at that level and everything about it, the, the little stories about Burhalter's management of the situation where he, he uh, had everybody stand up and tell Gio why why he shouldn't be playing or, you know, yeah. or what he's doing wrong, why he's letting, how he's letting everybody down. Um, you know, so it goes beyond the playing time. When you got things like that going on, man management, of course, Gio's going to be upset and the, you know, parents are going to get upset, but that's just American soccer 101. You can't do anything but chuckle if you've worked in it as long as we have. Uh, and then, you know, the flip, we also play for a little bit. We've seen him play in Germany do we win one more game if he plays? If it's managed better? You know, there, it's, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, do we beat Holland? I don't know. Maybe we win one more in group play, though. You know, I, do I think if we have him in there, we beat Holland? I, I can't believe we do, but it's... Maybe we beat England. Maybe we beat England, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Churchy, what do you, you got any thoughts on this nonsense that's going on in U.S. in the U.S. soccer, men's soccer oh, team? Only... Only in the United States could this happen. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is, as you have all both said, and we all have talked about on the fields and talked to each other about, this is only in the United States could this happen. And this is a microcosm of what's happening in soccer all around the country and what's happened really in sports all around the country and what's happening with helicopter parents and, and, you know, at, at all age, I mean, this is this is parent, but you know what's different? This is parents going to employees. You know, these are employees. Yeah. These are college kids. These aren't high school kids. These aren't club kids. You know, they're getting paid a lot of money for this too. And every day, a new uh, you know, a new part of the onion gets peeled back about this story and different things. You know, like yeah, like you know, uh, you know, dad yelling, Claudio in the stands, getting upset in the stands, talking you know about mm. the coach talking about the coach with families and friends and people all around. So it, it is everything that we have experienced, um, you know, and it's everything that's wrong with, with sports and all sports, youth sports, other sports. And, and um, when will we get back to just playing? I don't yeah. know. If, I don't know if those days will ever come, but it, yeah. is, it is an amazing story. Um, I don't think we've seen the end of the story. And no. I think it's going to be interesting what happens to a number of characters that are in this story. How does it end for them and, and their job and their livelihood right now? You know, what's going to, what's going to happen to those, but it's, uh, it is, it is fascinating for sure. I'm going to put you both on the spot. Robbie does, is Greg Berhalter the continue to be the coach of the U S men's national team? Yes or no? No. Brian, same question. 
No. And let's let's you, go get Bielsa. That's my man for the job. <laughs> you <laughs> say that because awesome. you have another man for the job. You get another yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about a little Ancelotti? Ancelotti be okay too, wouldn't he? Be okay yeah. if we had him. All right. All right. A couple other topics. So some big, big news to report um, on United Soccer Coaches leadership in the as it pertains to Division One women's soccer. Brian Lee was our um, former president, president, chairman. What was your title? I think I think it's called chair, Matt. D one chair. Chairman. D one chair. Yeah. We have a new chair. Uh, Brian, why don't you tell us who the new chair of the D one women's college soccer is? Well, it's one of our winningest coaches in the history of the ladies game. What is he in year 30, maybe at, at Texas A&M? And he's got 400 and some wins. G Guerrero is going to take over the position and he'll what, do a great job. Um, one, one, one of the, the biggest issue we got going right now is trying to get the extended season, trying to get the 18 college cup. He's at the forefront of that. And I think he's a great choice to kind of take it over. Yes. Well, and you know, it's funny, I mean, back, 20 something years ago and as a UCF and I remember going to the first and my first ever convention and I was with Karen Hoppe at UCF and we went to the division one coaches um, meeting and G was the chair and I thought I did a fantastic job and I think he is very motivated to get this done and um, uh, so anyway yeah he's our new chairman and with us but Brian thank you very much for your service and your time you did a wonderful job um, kind of bridging the gap there when, when Coach Hoppe stepped away. Um, so thank you for your service to United Soccer Coaches. Um, we appreciate it. Good job. Well, th thanks, Matt. That seemed very heartfelt. I <laughs> You're welcome. You're it welcome. did, didn't it? it really thank you. Did. It was. It was. All right. Let's go, uh, let's go on to this topic. Um, we're back out recruiting. Some of us were recruiting today still down here in beautiful Florida. Uh, but <laughs> Recruiting is back going. Uh, ECNL event are um, the 24s, the first normal recruiting class post COVID. Are we back to somewhat normal with this 24 class? Robbie's shaking his head yes. What do you think, Robbie? Yeah, for sure. I, I think so. Obviously, you have with the 23, you have the option another another cover season. For your seniors, can you know? Mm -hmm. Do they want to stay to play? Do they want to go in into a professional route? Do they want to go to uh, you know some type of career? Um, so your rosters are you're juggling your rosters in so many areas with it too. Um, so, I, but in twenty four, all of that goes away. Now we come back. You're you're dealing with just kind of normal transfers. I think the transfer portal is going to be interesting. What is that mm -hmm. going to look like after next year? You know, what are the numbers going to look like? How are you going to, you know, with the new transfer rules? I mean, you have mm -hmm. the scholarships that you must offer and the length of the scholarships that you must offer and, and how it's written right now. Those kids could come in, take your money, and then they could say, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. And yeah. And sit in their dorms and and have but keep your money, too. Uh, I know they're working on that. They're working on the language. They're working looking to to try to change that. Um, but I think you know definitely for the question twenty fours will go back to probably adding more the more the high school players will be coming in. I think you'll have more of those, and then also you'll have just the regular transfers that that will come in. There'll be a lot less fifth year seniors, a lot less people going to the mat getting the masters. 
uh, at different schools that the schools will be paying for. Yeah, Brian. Oh yeah, I think the, I think the same. It's it it's the first time in in quite a few years that I feel like the the COVID effect on like evaluation of the kids and getting to know them over the course of time as players, it isn't really popping up, mm -hmm. you know, with us. I think it's been a by far the smoothest, by far uh, something we felt the most comfortable with the direction we went with kids. Uh, limited guesswork comparatively to what COVID kind of caused. Yeah, on the yeah, we. End. I think. Yeah, as Petroselli always used to say, you know, everybody's got a highlight tape where they look good, you know, and now this this group is probably someone that we have been able to evaluate and see them play live like we normally did before COVID to make much better decisions. I, I agree with that. Um, and it was nice to be back out and see everybody, you know, in, in January and and chat with everybody. And you know what? I got a lot of compliments on the pod, guys, not to toot our own horn, but. A lot of people wanted us back, wondered where we were. This is what they do on their Tuesday mornings and they go walk their dogs or they work <laughs> out or I heard it all. I heard it all out there, like Ben Ranch. Um, so we're, we're, we're providing you guys back the pod. We, we, you're welcome. Uh, but no, we do enjoy doing it. And we're excited about the 2023 year. Okay, a couple other more topics. Uh, one, um, Robbie and I are headed to uh, convention. I'm flying up tomorrow. Robbie, you're going up tomorrow, right? Going up tomorrow. Not Wednesday, staying long. Yeah. Yeah, not I mean, staying long, but coming back. Long, yeah, the, yeah. Draft, uh, the draft is there, back there. Um, excited about that, right? Obviously, we're about to about to chat with Michelle Cooper. Um, she's obviously a huge name in the draft. But I think yeah. it's great that the draft is back at the convention. I felt like, you know, they did it over Zoom or whatever it was, over, over uh, stream. The last few years, it certainly wasn't as fun as it is when it's at the convention and there's a crowd and, and you're actually watching the draft live is, is pretty cool. Uh, great. Yeah. You know, up until what, two years ago was the last draft they had there. And I thought mm -hmm. that draft was incredible. I thought mm -hmm. that was incredible. What an, what an absolutely incredible day for the young ladies that get drafted. A yep. day they never forget. I thought they did an unbelievable job. You know, a lot of all of us can remember when they started the draft and you they would always be the back room somewhere way in the back and it would be about mm -hmm. the size of the janitor's closet. Yeah. And now, yeah. and now they have built it up to this big ballroom and you know just did a fantastic job. And I thought last year in the convention without it being there, there was there was something really missing. There was something missing. Yeah. So excited to have it back. Excited for the young ladies that are all going to get drafted for their opportunity in the spotlight for all their hard work that they put into it. Um, I think it will be good, but I do think it actually, I was talking to G on, on the, on the field about this is some way we need to figure out how to make this convention. So we all get back, not only like for, like we're going up for a draft and then we're coming back, you know, and we all are used to days that we would go up on Wednesday and come back on Sundays on, on Sundays. And, you know, that division one meeting would be packed. There would be three, yeah. there would be two fifty, three hundred people at that meeting. How many people you think will be in that division one meeting this year what's well, the over under brian what's the over under 10 yeah i I'm think 25, 25 25 that's that's my number two uh, but yeah. but i mean that's a shame so something's yeah. wrong something's broken with the system because that's a that's an important meeting there's there's a yeah. lot of important things that can't be done at the convention we need to figure out how do we get the convention back and become more important i think well, you know, the biggest thing I think for you guys is make sure you pack your sambas and your sweatpants so you're in uniform, 
with, with the other 18,000 people there. <laughs> I, it is interesting, though. You have that, and you got the suits. People yeah. wearing suits and being all dressed up. I did tell I did tell uh, Petroselli, though, you know, in the draft, I'm going to go there. I'm a Red Star supporter. I'm going to go there cheering for the Red Stars. Let's go, Red Stars. <laughs> Let's go, Red Stars. Um, oh, no, but certainly excited, excited for the draft and the convention. And it's always fun. I love going. I always walk away from the convention every year with something that I really enjoyed and I want to use, implement with my team, whether it's a session or a, a, a lecture or something. It's always very good. It's great, great for, um, you know, professional development. So looking forward to heading to Philly, maybe not the weather, but I am looking forward to the Philly cheesesteak in that marketplace little shopping center. Those are unbelievably fantastic so okay a couple of quick topics um let's just talk one more thing about the draft um some early enrollees and early people coming in out early and you know we had rodman a couple years last year two years ago um you know you have michelle cooper coming out early is a big name you have thompson that was headed to stanford but now is coming into the draft um do we think that's going to uh increase and you know are we going to get to the point where we're like, you know, baseball where a lot of the guys go in the draft early and it really affects recruiting at a, a level. Like Churchy obviously affects you guys with Michelle leaving early. It, it certainly For is sure. going to affect um, Stanford. I'm sure uh, if we had um, uh, um, a number of coaches that the players left with Todd from Washington State when Rodman left, like um, yep. that affects you. So is that no a new trend that maybe we're headed in? You know, I think it depends on uh, the things that that are driving these players out. Obviously, is money, you know, endorsements. If the league keeps getting and and the endorsements keep growing and the agents keep bringing endorsements to players and money, yes, that may happen. Um, you know, right now, I think for the majority of the players, obviously, the money's getting better and better every year. But it's not it's not money to leave school. Oh. Yeah. You know, some special ones that have big endorsements, they may be money to leave school loans. So sure. I think if, if the endorsements and the money still keeps growing, and bigger, I think we'll see them. But right now, I don't know in the next four or five years. I think you're always going to have those one or two really special players that may come out. But I don't think we're going to see a mass group of players come out yet because those degrees still mean a lot, uh, especially in women's soccer. Because yep, um, the money they're ma they're making right now is is not enough to to kind of cover all giving up that that chance for for the degree. Yeah. Well, disagree, Brian. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the part I think is interesting is is um, the impact it'll have on who the national champion is. I don't think there'll be a a huge um, you know number of kids doing it. But where's Washington State if Trinity Rodman is a junior? Would she be? Yeah. Yeah. And they weren't even in the tournament, right? Did they not make the tournament right. or did they squeeze right. in? Didn't and make, then, yeah. you know, Alyssa Thompson goes to Stanford. They got a whole lot better chance of winning the national championship again. Yeah. So to, to me, it impacts the very, very top end. and maybe opens the door for teams like Alabama. Um, you know, Arkansas has been right on the cusp. South Carolina has been on the cusp. Will it help those teams maybe get over the hump here? one of these years coming up where we get a non-blue yeah. blood national champ because we got blue bloods we do have blue bloods very true okay um one more topic then we're gonna get to michelle uh last night 
a college football championship match. What the heck was that? <laughs> 65 to 7, Georgia beats TCU. Would we ever have a would we ever have a national championship where someone won 9-0? I mean, did, well, we maybe did Carolina did. Day, right? Yeah, maybe they did. They yeah, not they, bad. Oh, it was nine to one. So it, it oh. was nine to one. <laughs> and the one team, thanks, Matt. Appreciate you pulling that one up. And the one team that had won scored first. They scored the first game. They pissed off the other team by scoring the first goal. And then nine got laid up. Yes, there has been one in the history of women's soccer. I'm saying current day, churchy current day. Maybe I set that up. Maybe I didn't. But current day, I mean, that was something, was it? I mean, I guess it'd be like the NCAA basketball tournament and the championship they win by 40. It's about what it was, right? It'd be something like that. Yeah. 40. I mean, well, it's, it's wild. You know, it's, it's interesting. So the college football playoff is a little different than ours. And this is, this is not a criticism of the of your group, Matt, whatsoever. But our, ter- our tournament field gets picked very objectively. It is results-oriented. Yeah. And it, it's not a, you know, you're, you guys aren't that subjective about what you're doing. And, and maybe that's the best way to do it. The college football playoff is, that committee is like 10 people who all watch all the games. Right. And it's a very subjective putting the final four teams in until the politics gets in just a little bit and Alabama doesn't get in. Alabama plays Georgia. That's a great game last night, just like sure. Ohio State and Georgia game. Right. So, you know, they've got the subjective side that they claim, but then they don't really use it. And that was just a total mismatch last night. TCU had no chance. Yeah. Yeah. It's go ahead. Robbie. So I just I will go back to sort of I said about Alabama playing UCLA in the semifinals with it too. That's a big old stage for TCU to be on. They've never yeah. been in that stage before, and and probably and really haven't been really close to that stage. Okay, Georgia Georgia lives on that stage almost week in and week out in the SEC, and I yeah. think that's I think that's what's you know you get into that you know you have you know whatever football game is however long it is. Uh, is you know you have one game left, and we're gonna put ev- we're gonna throw everything we have at you guys, and they knocked the- they knocked TCU in the back foot, and they could never recover, and never no. recover. I walk- I went I came in from eating, and it- what was it first quarter twenty four to seven or something, yeah. and, it- and, it- and it just got worse. It, got- it didn't well, get better, it got worse. My thing is this: it-, it is tricky, right? Because I had an argument with a friend last night about it. In the end, it is about it's not about the players. It's not about the quality of the players, or the quality of the coaching. It's about the results, right? And Alabama lost twice. However, Alabama lost to Tennessee by three points on the last second field goal when the at game was tied at Tennessee. And then they lost by a point to LSU on the last play of the game on a two-point conversion at LSU, which everybody knows is a tough play to play. Um, Ohio State lost by 20 at home to Michigan. If you're in that committee, there's an argument to be made. Now, I don't know if they can make it or not. And, and again, I think, you know, you could also go through and look at Alabama and say, okay, they beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Auburn and, and the rest of the SEC. They're not that good. They're out of conference. wasn't good. Their best team out of conference was Texas. So where do you hang your hat on who they did beat? 
right? They lost to maybe the two best teams they played. But it's it was painful to know that that's a national championship game based on what these 10 people selected when we all know, every one of us knows, as the, us three soccer coaches are sitting here talking about it, Alabama in that final or Alabama versus Michigan or, or whatever would have been a, a better turnout. Anyway, um, but great season. Well, All right. Did, oh, go ahead, did you hear the end of Kirby Smart's press conference last night when he credited the scout team because they taught him the TCU defense and they thought they were a better version of the TCU defense? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I, someone t- t- might have you, Brian, said last night, is Alabama playing Vandy right now in the national championship game? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that another discredit to TCU. Great season, fantastic, yes, awesome. Yes. It's just more of a where is college football today? Where does TCU finish in the SEC? Oh gosh, eighth, tenth. Yeah, crazy. All right, um, good discussion. Let's uh, let's move on. Very excited to uh, to uh, introduce Michelle Cooper. Okay, guys, very excited to, uh, to add in our first ever, I think, well, certainly it's got to be our first ever, Herman Trophy winner, uh, All-American superstar from Duke, uh, really honored to have Michelle Cooper join College Soccer Nation today. And Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So what we like to do kind of with really all of our guests is we want to go sh- through, Michelle, and give us your, your path. So my question is kind of twofold. One's your path. So how'd you start playing soccer? Why'd you start playing soccer? You know, where and your club experience and then why you picked Duke? And then certainly the second part of that question is uh, what was the Herman Trophy presentation like? Um, it had to be just awesome. So you can start with your path and then tell us about the Herman Trophy. We'll move on from there. Yeah, I started playing soccer when I was about four years old. My mom put me in it to get rid of some energy. She said I would just run around the mat at gymnastics. And she was like, this is not for you. (laughs) So I started soccer when I was about four. Then I moved on more seriously when I was about U8 playing with AC Milan and Bardar East. And then I would go later on about U13 I was to Michigan Hawks for a year or two. And then I went to IMG Academy, which I highly enjoyed for my last two years of high school. And then I made it to Duke finally. And I chose Duke when I was in my freshman year of high school. I was just 14. (laughs) And as soon as I made it onto campus, I knew I loved it. It was great to see and better understand the culture, the team, getting to meet with Robbie. And I just loved it so much. I fell in love immediately. So you were able to do that even though Robbie was a coach? Yep. I was able to. I was able to go around and enjoy yeah, it. Okay. <laughs> a tough job. And and what was the Herman Trophy? Um, what was it like? Stressful? How was how was all of that um, kind of did it go for you? Yeah, there was definitely a bit of stress. It's really that you're up for an award that big and people with massive names and who have imprinted women's soccer have won that. It's definitely surreal, but the award ceremony itself was beautiful. It was amazing. Missouri Athletic Club did a great job of putting on something that was super nice and something that I'll remember forever. Awesome. And for those of our listeners that don't know, the Herman Trophy is the Heisman Trophy for soccer. It's just the best, the highest ranked 
uh, award you can win in our sport and very, very, uh, very, very deserving show for sure. Okay, Brian, go ahead. Michelle, tell us about your, your process for deciding to come out early. You know, obviously, you, you know, in enter school thinking about that and the next thing you know, you're winning the Herman Trophy and yep. you have all these things going on. Talk to us about that process and what was important to you and how did you come about deciding to do it? Yeah, I decided that I wanted to go early and it was not an easy decision at all. I made sure to speak with my family, my mom and sister more specifically, and they encouraged me to follow my dreams and knowing that I want to chase big dreams as in being on the national team and be able to make a big imprint on women's soccer and be able to get in those history books somehow. Um, chasing those dreams would mean going pro for me and I would not be where I am or who I am without the help of Robbie and the phenomenal program that I went through. I made sure to talk with Robbie, Kieran and Carla as well before I decided to make the big decision and big announcement and they have been nothing but supportive. So knowing that I have my family, the Duke coaches, both of my teammates and my friends has just made it so much easier. Yeah. Did, did you talk to the other kids who've done it? You know, you were at the World Cup, like Moultrie, and I don't know who else yep. was there. Was Shaw there, yep. you know, or Rodman or the other elite kids who've done it? Did you talk to them about it and get their I didn't talk to them much about it. It was never, never something that was really on my mind until I mm-hmm. we got out of the NCAAs. I made sure I wanted to put all my focus and energy into season, and I just put it on the back burner until until ended. Gotcha. And what was Overbeck's yep. view on it? Because she's from a different generation. She's unbelievable. But this was Carla not is. when when she was playing. <laughs> no, she Carla's been great. She's been nothing but supportive, just like all my other Duke coaches and encouraging and always been there for me. And she made sure to know that, made sure that I knew that as I left, that I'll always have her as a support system. Awesome. Go ahead, Robbie. Okay, so Michelle, we're going to talk about your youth national team career. Okay. okay. <laughs> tell, tell us, tell us what it's been like to go through the our youth national system. What do you, you know, when did you start playing with them? And obviously, specifically, kind of, let's talk a little bit about the U twenties after uh, the the twenties experience too. Okay. Okay, I started playing with the youth national teams. I was about sixteen, I think I was started traveling around to countries I've never been to, countries I never imagined I would ever go to, like Italy, Croatia, Slovenia, absolutely beautiful. And I'm forever grateful for having those experiences and being able to both play soccer with some of the best players in the country my age and be able to see those beautiful countries and experience them and their cultures. And going to Costa Rica for the U20s was insane it was an opportunity I'm forever grateful for and being able to play on a world stage was insane the pressure that came with it I loved and knowing that I had those 10 girls around me the other best 10 girls in the country in my age group was it was great it was so much fun to be able to play and learn from them and with them right what is your what's your favorite country? You've you talked about you can see yourself, you light up when you talk about all this travel. So what's yeah. the favorite country and why that you have traveled with with the youth teams? 
I really enjoyed my experience in Costa Rica. It was absolutely gorgeous. We yeah. got to go to many animal rescue centers and see some animals that are quite exotic and I never thought I would see. So <laughs> that was awesome. But I also really, really enjoyed Croatia. Yeah. It was absolutely gorgeous there. It was gorgeous. Was it really? Good, good. What's yeah. your what's your biggest moment on that on the youth national stage? Is there a goal? Is there one goal that stands out with you that uh, that was scored at any of the levels at the you know from 16 on up? Was any any one goal that stands out for you? I think a moment that stands out for me, my brightest, is probably the CONCACAF finals against Mexico within the first couple minutes when I stole from the goalie and I was able to put us up. <laughs> within literally I think it was three to five minutes of the game that was huge for us and I think that helped propel us forward to the to becoming champions and that stands out the most for me yeah no that was that was an awesome moment that's that's a that's a great call that's a great call with it too so I got go ahead Matt go no you go go ahead I I got a question for you uh, Michelle so Costa Rica or Tuscaloosa Alabama (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> definitely costa rica <laughs> that was uh you're talking about playing on the world stage that was quite a stage down in uh in Tuscaloosa, it was. Wasn't it? they had quite a crowd that was insane <laughs> that's great so michelle get you got to give us at least one robbie church story you got to get got to give us something <laughs> something he did something he said there's got to be something out there we we got for us there are some pretty good Robbie Church stories. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Give them, give them one. Hey, she was only there three semesters. So yeah, that that's is, true. That I, is I true. didn't really build up that my bank of stories yes. like a senior, but go yeah. ahead. Give us a good one. I think I honestly wasn't even there. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I heard from the other girls. I think my favorite would have to be when there was something that was not going correct in the set plays and <laughs> like threw a ball at the ground and it went flying up and then landed and hit him in the back of the head. <laughs> I think that was, I wasn't even there, but the, some of the yeah. girls still talk about it and said it was, it was uh, quite it's, funny. But oh, pretty good. they straightened up after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah one, one more. Who, who on the Duke team has the best Robbie Church impression that he probably doesn't know. <laughs> probably no, definitely Emily Royston. <laughs> Emily Royston. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you know it too, Robbie. <laughs> She'll be doing- she will do it tomorrow in our team meeting. I will. I will have her come. I will go out and have her tomorrow in our team in our opening team meeting. She'll come nice. out. I'll let her lead the way. <laughs> so Michelle, uh, and I know we got to get going, but um, you must be excited for the draft, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I got, again, two questions. One, first one is, you know, you know, why did you decide to stay here as opposed to maybe going to Europe where you would be obviously a, 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 a you know, a big deal over there. And then two, um, we're all pretty close to Chicago, the Chicago Red Stars and uh, the coach there. And he asked us if you could um, just skip all the other picks and just let him pick you at, at number <laughs> seven or whatever he has. No, but um, uh, no, why, why NWSL? I chose the NWSL. I'm very close with my family, my mom and my sister. And there's a lot of people here that support me. And I feel like being so far would just not be best for me right now. And I definitely want to stay in the States and try and make an imprint in the NWSL before I experience any other options. Gotcha. So can you turn down everybody until you get Chicago picks? 
<laughs> no promises. <laughs> yeah, got fair, fair. Uh, Brian, anything else? No, that's great. Here. Michelle, we yeah. appreciate it. You were awesome. Yeah, no, thank absolutely. you so much for having me, guys. This has been great. Well, listen, good luck at the draft. We're certainly cheering for you. Um, congratulations on what an unbelievable college career. And we know you'll do great things for the NWSL. Certainly going to be the face of one of these franchises. So good luck, Michelle. And again, thanks so much for coming on College Soccer Nation. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> of course. I'll see you guys. Bye. <laughs> All right. That was great. She She's awesome, Robbie. She she um, She's going to do unbelievable in, in, in her career. And what a great player, great person, great personality. Very impressive, um, for sure. Yeah. No, it's, she's just such a high character uh, young lady. And she mentioned her family. She's so close. Her mom. Her mom raised her and Lexi, her her sister, uh, who's done a great job, who's playing in college at Rollins, who plays at Rollins, okay. uh, with the IMG also for three years. Lexi did and done really well. Mom, you know, mom's done just a fantastic job with with both of you, those young ladies. And, we're, you know, we hate to lose her, obviously. We all know sure. that. But we're very, very proud of what she's done. And we, you know, we're better because she was around us for those two years that we that we had her in our program. And uh, she's going to do some great things. And we look forward to following her. Great. Well, um, let's wrap this up with, uh, listen, we're going to be on, you know, probably sporadically here a little bit until uh, until probably we all get into our 20-hour weeks and then maybe get a little more constant. Um, if someone wants to sponsor the show, or sponsor Michelle Cooper for that matter, but if someone wants to sponsor the show, let us know. Um, and uh, and maybe we'll be on a little more regular. But until that time, when we get some time. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. One more thing before we go. Yeah. If, if anyone sees Matt and Robbie at the convention, they'll be the guys in the black sambas and the sweatpants. <laughs> so just pick them out. They'll be easy to pick out. Yeah. So just say, hey. Yeah. I, yeah, have, I have to go find my sambas. I have no yeah. idea where, where my can't, sambas are. I, I can't walk well enough with good hoka shoes, let alone sambas. So, uh, uh, but sweatpants and sweatshirts, I'm on for that. Anyway, um, anyway, Kosh Talk Nation, thank you for listening. We'll be on again at some point, but again, we'll try to get more regular in the spring a little bit. But we appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks for your time. Everybody enjoy the convention that's that are going. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, College Soccer Nation is out.